All right, Rabosai, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Let us begin by thanking our sheer sponsors. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Teves, Yoel and Sarah Kelman, in honor of the birth of their daughter, Oria Tahel, and in the hope that all the couples praying for children will soon have their tefillos answered. Amen. Stephen Tarizin for dedicating all the Shur Madrashos this month in honor of their grandchildren, Adin Svi and Naftali Moshe. Our day of learning sponsors, Milton Melanie Gertner, in commemoration of the yard site of their mother, Fanny Gertner, from Abbas Yitzchok Michal, and in gratitude to Hashem and everyone's prayers for the homecoming of her namesake and great-granddaughter, Esther Fruma, from her extended stay in the NICU. Emirates Hashem, and Hashem should have an aliyah, and this little Bas Yisrael should grow in to become a great Bas Yisrael. Admer Esm Shalom Tovos. To thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Alan Wiseman, for dedicating the sheer memory of his father, Morris Wiseman, Moshe Ben Leibin Zichron Lebrach, we open on the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama Havan Aliyah, and the family in Nechama. Shkayach, everyone. I also want to begin by just extending my Hakar Satov to Reb Kamen Akiva and to Richter for giving the sheer while I was away. It's always uh, it's a good feeling to know. That's something, the shir is something that's very special to me. Dafsan is very special to me. So it's good to know that Baruch Hashem, that when I'm gone, it's, uh, it's left in good hands. Able hands, capable hands, caring hands, loving hands. So yeshikoach to our Magide shir for keeping the fire burning even while I was gone. You know, Rabbi Nachman says, just, just by way of Hakdama, Rabbi Nachman says that we know that the, one of the greatest Averus that Klali Sol committed was the Chet Maraglim, was the sin of the spies. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu had given them such a great gift of Eretz Yisrael. And we waited so many generations, from already from Abraham Avinu until we got to, with Moshe Rabbeinu, right, to the, right by the Transjordanian lands. And the Maraglim go in, and what's supposed to be just a simple, a simple, okay, reconnaissance mission, go in, look around, peek around, poke around, come back, say it's great, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take us in. And it turned into such a disaster and turned into such an incredible disaster. And all because, all because they failed to see the beauty in the greatest gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, even, has ever given Kali. So next to Torah, Torah is the greatest gift. Right after Torah comes Eretz Yisrael. And Rabbi Nachman says that each and every Jew has an obligation to be metakin the Chet to go ahead and atone for the Chet And he says there are two ways that you do that. Number one is to never ever say anything negative about the land, which is incredibly important. Right? I always tell my children this. You don't like the falafel? You could say the falafel doesn't agree with me. You can't say it's not good. I mean, in Baltimore, you could say it's not good if you want to. But in Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Yisrael you're not allowed to say anything negative about the land. There's too much traffic. You could say, I wish I could get to my destination a little bit faster. Right? But you can't say, Ah, oh, there's terrible traffic everywhere in this place. You have to be careful about how you speak about Eretz Yisrael. And the second part, says the Rebbe, is to make sure to not just refrain or abstain from speaking negatively, but to speak positively as well. So I, I feel, I feel mechoyev, I feel mechoyev, because I feel that um, we were so privileged to be able to get Eretz Yisrael. So privileged, because literally again, two days, three days after we arrived, they shut down the country again, and it felt so privileged to be able to be there. Not the time not to speak about what Hanukkah there was like, because it was something, um, just something from a different world, just something from a different world. But I feel an achrayis to make sure to reinforce Tova Ha'aretz Ma'od Ma'od. 
that the land that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us is so magnificent and is so wonderful and is so incredible. Both Beruchnius Ubegashmius, everything about the land is absolutely amazing. And everything about it is absolutely uplifting. And every aspect of it is absolutely inspiring from the places to the people. We have a beautiful Torah, we have a beautiful land, and Zachinu, Zachinu, we are truly privileged that it's ours. Okay, so now that I was Mekayim, the obligation to speak positively about Eretz Yisrael, and hopefully doing my part in the Meretz Hashem, some way, some small way, being Metaki the Chita Meraglim, let us begin. So we have the great privilege today to begin this third parak. Sorry, the fourth parak of Mesechah's Tainis, an incredible, again, this Mesechah has just been, it's been like, a, it's been a privilege to be able to learn each and every day of this beautiful Mesechah. So I will say, let's go. There are three times, there are three times throughout the year, three times throughout the year that the Kohanim go ahead and dochin arba pa'amim bayom. Now, the truth is, the Gemara is going to reinterpret this phrase, but for now, here's how we're going to read it. There are three times throughout the year that the Kohanim daven four times during the day. I, how can you, sorry, duchen. How can you duchen four times during the day? B'shachris, b'mosof, b'mincha, u b'ni'ilas sha'arim. B'shachris, mosof, mincha, and ni'ilas sha'arim. And I will say, what's Ni'ilas Sharim? So Rashi here says something amazing. Rashi says, Mefarish Bebrachos, Yerushami, Tiratilas Ashachar, Emosai Ni'ilah. So when is the, the Gemara asks, when is the Tfilah of Ni'ilah? Yesh Omen Ni'ilas Sharei Mikdash, Yesh Omen Ni'ilas Sharei Shamayim Shenoel, and Osan Le'is Erev. Big Mark Tfilah. So we'll say, so first of all, Rashi just says, by the way, Ni'ilah means closing. Rashi says, is a Machlokas, closing of what? Closing of what? Is it the closing of the gates of Shamayim, the celestial gates? Or is it the closing of the gates of the base Hamikdash? Which one is it? So we'll say, by the way, I just want to point out, it's not our topic for now, but that's not like an academic machlokas that has dramatic ramifications as to what exactly the nature of the tefillah of Ni'ilah itself is. In any event, the name of the tefillah is gleaned by the fact that something is closing, something is coming to an end. Celestial gates, Beis HaMikdash gates, and Rashi says, V'noagin hayu le'espalo tefillas ni'ilah b'chol ta'anisam k'derach shem espalo v'yom ha'kippurim. Shabbat said, we most often associate ni'ilah with Yom Kippur, understandably so. But in fact, there was a ni'ilah tefillah, I'm not going to say by every fast day, but by many of the fast days. So therefore, I will say, what the Mishnah says is as follows. There are three times throughout the year, we'll discuss which three times throughout the year, that you duchen four times a day. So how would you duchen four times a day? Duchening shachris, mincha, musaf, ni'ilah. Okay, so now that I know the four times a day, what are the three times during the year in which we duchen four times during the day? Betanios, b'ma'amados, u'biyom ha'kipurim. So we'll say, b'tanios, fast days. Okay, that's pretty self-explanatory. We'll skip for just a moment. Yom Kippur, pretty self-explanatory as well. And Ma'amados. So I will say, we've made mention of the Ma'amados, but here again, Rashi is in the Gemara, sorry, the Mishnah. 
Mishnah is going to go ahead and explain what these ma'amados were. Now, for our purposes, we're going to translate ma'amados as groupings or gatherings. Let's just take a quick look at Rashi. Rashi says, actually, not yet, not yet. So the Gemara says, what are ma'amados? Elohim ma'amados. So we'll say, this is absolutely fascinating. Elohim ma'amados. So we'll say the Pasik says that there's a carbon atomid. The carbon atomid is the daily offering. Remember again, there's Tamit Shal Shachar, Tamit Shal Ben Harbayim, the daily morning offering, the daily afternoon offering. Now we'll say. Now remember, the halacha is that when you bring a carbon, the owner is supposed to be present at the offering of the carbon. That's the ideal. So technically speaking, carbon tamid is a carbon seabor. It is a carbon that is brought on behalf of Kalal Yisrael, which technically speaking should require what? What should it require? All of Kalal Yisrael to be present. So the Gemara says, But one second. So the carbon tamid is for each of us. It's a carbon seabor. It's for each of us, which means that technically speaking, each of us are supposed to be present when the carbon is offered, how can you offer a carbon without the owner being present? I will say, quick look at Rashi, we're going to jump back and forth a couple of times. We'll remember again, where does the carbon tamid come from? It comes from the machzis shekel. The half shekel that we contribute goes to a number of things, but one of the major things it goes to is to finance the offering of the tamid shal shachar, tamid shal bin arbayim, because the, again, it's offered on behalf of each of us. The Rashi says, "The after she calls her omdin algabe carbonum, carbonum uminu ma'amados dios mukomas." So, says, now listen to this. So, here we have an interesting halachic issue. What's the halachic issue? Technically speaking, when you offer up a carbon, what's supposed to happen? What's supposed to happen? Owner is supposed to be present. Who owns carbon tamid? Cloud Israel. Could Cloud Israel be present by the offering of the carbon tamid? No. So, how do we solve this issue? So the Gemara says, Hiskinu Nevi'im Harishonim. This is so fascinating. So the early Nevi'im instituted as follows. Now we'll say, who are the early Nevi'im? Rashi says, Shmuel and David. Shmuel Hanavi, David HaMelech. Now, what's unique about this institution? Shmuel and David lived before the Beis HaMikdash. Remember again, this is not strange, because remember, David HaMelech did anything and everything he could in the absence of building the Beis HaMikdash, right? He wrote Sefer Tehillim, which is the book of Levitic song, to be sung in the Beis HaMikdash. He purchased the threshing floor of Aravna HaYerusi, right, which would become ultimately the site of the site of, 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 of the base. I make this, I'll tell you, it's, it's incredible. One of the things I got to do, thanks to Sirab Jerry is, is on, is on this year. So Jerry arranged for us to be able to get into some of the new excavations by the tunnels. And it's absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing what it is that they're finding. We don't have time for it today. I'll make time for it today. But, <laughs> but one of the things that they just recently found was potentially where the Sanhedrin sat. Okay, I'll just, fine, I'll tell you very quickly. One of the things they found was this massive semicircle slab of stone right outside of the walls, outside of the, outside of the Kotel. So remember again, the Kotel is the retaining wall. So right outside of the wall. So they're trying to figure out why is there a massive semicircle right outside of the cult? We'll say, so, okay, I'll wet trap that a little bit more. Right outside, right across from it, they see these three large rectangular, rectangular cutouts in the stone that they're positing, that they're positing are, were storefronts, were storefronts. 
I'm listening to the guy tell us this. I'm very, I make eye contact with Rabbi Jerry. I never like to interrupt guides on tours because, you know, like they're professionals. They, they, they know what they're doing. But this one I couldn't abstain. I said, is it possible? The Gemara says, Misharabu Haratzchonin. You had this in Daf. We just had this a little while ago. Misharabu Haratzchonin. When unfortunately, again, there were too many murder capital cases happening, the Sanhedrin exiled itself from the Lishkas Hagazis. They exiled themselves from the chamber of hewn stone. And remember, what does the Gemara say? Where did they relocate? They relocated by the storefronts. They relocated by the storefronts. Because they were positing that this semicircle slab of stone could fit 71 people. Well, why else do you need a semicircle to fit 71 people? It's quite possible that they just unearthed the area where the Sanhedrin sat when they exiled themselves from the Lishkas Hagazis because they no longer wanted to adjudicate capital cases and they set up shop right outside of the Kotel, right outside of the retaining wall so they could still operate but not adjudicate cases. Incredible. No idea why I mentioned this. Right? But okay, but in any event, I will say, but so okay, so David Amelach, right? David Amelach. David Amelach did everything. There's no real tie in. It's just, it's just incredible. You're literally looking at, and you should see the stone is magnificent. I don't know how it's so preserved. It, it, it's like, it's white. It's literally, I'm sure they polish or whatever. It's white, and it's sitting right opposite these stores. Incredible. David Amelech did not have the opportunity to build the Beis Hamikdash. So he did anything and everything that he could in the absence of building the Beis HaMikdash. So the Gemara says, so the Mishnah goes on, the Mishnah says, so what did David and Shmuel do? Listen to this. They made 24 Mishmaros. Now, both say, now remember again, that's not, that, remember, we've learned about this before. When, up until this point, whenever we spoke about Mishmaros, who are Mishmaros referring to? Who are they referring to? Kohanim. Right? We know this already. There are 24 watches, we'll call it, of Kohanim. Now remember again, those 24 watches, just for a second, the Mishnah doesn't mention this, but I'll just mention this now. Those 24 watches were made up of what? Remember? Multiple what we call Bate Avos. Bate Avos are families. Each Mishmar would serve in the Beis HaMikdash for how long? For how long? One week at a time. Over the course of that week, remember again, families would draw lots as to who would go ahead and do which one. So we had this just recently when we spoke about, again, drinking wine. And th- Actually, we're going to see it this paragraph. Drinking wine when you're, on, when, when you're on call. Okay, we'll get to it. In any event, so you had 24 Mishmaros of Kohanim. Each Mishmar was made up of multiple Bate Avos, multiple families. And each Mishmar got one week in the Mikdash. Well, now Bosei Mishnah tells us, by the way, it wasn't just Kohanim who were divided up into 24 Mishmaros. Rather, again, listen to this. I'll call Mishmar u Mishmar Hayama'ama Birusharaim Shal Kohanim Shal Aviyam Vishal Yisraelim. And I will say again, for every Mishmar, this is incredible. The Mishmaros weren't just Kohanim. Every single Mishmar was made up of Kohanim, Leviim, and Yisraelim. So I will say now, watch this. Take a look at Rashi for just a moment, because Rashi, we're going to see, we're not going to get into this right now, but there is a huge machlokes rishonim as to how to read this Mishnah, just because it's Dathyom, we have to get through a blot of Gemara. We are just going to go with the parish of Rashi. So look at Rashi, Al-Kom Mishmar. Arba ve'esrim mishmaro shatohanim hayu shmo dava tiknum ve'al-kom mishmar hayu ma'amal birushalayim she'kavuin ve'omdin bi'ir ve'omdin al-karban achehem. So I will say, listen to this. So therefore, for every Mishmar, for every Mishmar, the Mishmar was stationed in Yerushalayim. 
So again, you were part of Mishmar A, Mishmar Aleph. Mishmar Aleph was stationed. Now again, who was part of Mishmar Aleph? You had Kohanim, Leviim, and Yisraelim. So now remember again, to divide up all the Kohanim and Leviim into 24 Mishmaros, that you could do. That you could do. And all the respective Kohanim of that Mishmar, all the respective Leviim of that Mishmar, would be in Yerushalayim. You can't divide up Klal Yisrael into 24 groups, or I should say differently. Even if you divided up Klal Yisrael into Yisraelim into 24 groups, you could not get that whole contingent of Yisraelim into Yerushalayim. So, so what do they do with Yisraelim? So what Rashi says. Rashi says, Ulevad elu hadarim biyushalayim hayu ma'amados b'chol ir she'yisrael mechleku l'chav dalar ma'amados keneger arba ve'esim mishmoros. So we'll say, Rashi says something amazing. Rashi says, the Yisraelim who lived in Yerushalayim were present with the Mishmar in the Beis HaMikdash, to the place where they could go to. The rest of the Yisraelim who did not live in Yerushalayim, they gathered in their local towns. So I will say, so this is incredible, because according to Rashi, and this is where they become a little bit machol, according to Rashi, in the Beis HaMikdash, for every Mishmar, they were Kohanim, Leviim, and Yisraelim were actually, actually present in the Mikdash. How do you choose which Yisraelim are present in the Mikdash and which Yisraelim gather in their local towns? It's very simple, matter of residency. If you lived in Yerushalayim, if you were Zoha to live in Yerushalayim, Yerah Kodesh, you were present in the Mikdash together with the Mishmar. If you did not live in Yerushalayim, but were still privileged to live in Eretz Yisrael, you gather in your local towns as we will describe. Now I will say, this is Rashi's Pshat. I will just point out, other opinions hold that Yisraelim never really gathered in the Mikdash. Only Kohanim and Levim gathered in the Mikdash. Yisraelim only gathered in the outlying towns. But again, we're going to go with Rashi. We're going to go with Rashi. So the Gemara says, so what happens? Back to the Mishnah. So therefore, again, you have 24 Mishmoros. Each Mishmar made up of Kohanim, Levim, Yisraelim. Kohanim, Levim, and Yisraelim who live in Yerushalayim gather in the Mikdash. And what do the rest of the Yisraelim do? They gather in their local cities. So the Israelim, who are part of that Mishmar, gather in their local cities. And they will say, what do they do as part of the Mishnah? So we're going to see, they fast and they daven, but the Torah reading that they engage in is my Seberatius, is the Genesis narrative. Now, look at Rashi for just a moment. The Israelim who are not in Yerushalayim gathered in their local cities, and what would they do? They would fast and they would daven. Now, what are they davening for? What are they fasting for? They're fasting and davening that their carbonos should be readily accepted. That their carbonos will say, see, first of all, can you, just, can, can you just imagine for a moment what you pretty much have is all of Klal Yisrael united in one avoda. Everyone's united in one avoda. That, that, which is really something amazing. So you have Kohanim, Levim, Yisraelim, and Yerushalayim, they're present for, they're present for the, car, they're pre- present for the carbon tumen. You have the Israelim part of that Mishmar gathered in their respective cities. And I'm also remember again, there's a large swath of the population. You divide up all the Israelim into 24 shifts. That's a lot of Israelim. They're gathered in their local cities. They're fasting and they're davening. And they're davening 
The dying of the carbon should be accepted. Okay, so the Gemara Mishnah goes on. So we'll say, Kormas so they read the Genesis narrative. Now we'll say, so if you are a Yisrael, well, the truth is, we'll see, Anshe Mamod means everyone in the Mamod, but we'll discuss, okay, but right now I'll read as everyone in the Mamod would fast four days. Remember again, your, your, your Mishmar, your Mishmar was one week. The people of the Mamod would fast four days out of the week. Miyom they would fast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. For the Hayumis on an Erev Shabbos, they wouldn't fast on Friday. Maybe they covered a Shabbos, because they'll say it's not covered Shabbos to go into Shabbos fasting. For the Be'echad Shabbos, and interestingly, if they wouldn't fast on Sunday, because sometimes the contrast of like a very physically enjoyable Shabbos going into a fast day could be a bit too much on the system. It could be a shock to the system and literally the Mishnah says they could die. Whether that's a bit hyperbolic or just saying we do want people to be healthy so they wouldn't fast on Friday and they wouldn't fast on Sunday. Fine. So Bosei, now the Mishnah is going to go through the Torah reading of these days. So on the first day of the Ma'amod, they read Bereshis, Vayhirakia, So from the Bereshis up until Vayhirakia. So Bosei, the Mishnah is just going to talk about how they divided up the Genesis narrative. Besheni on the second day, Yehirakia Vekavu Hamayim, there should be a sky until let the waters be gathered. Beshlishi on the third day, Yikavu Hamayim Vihima Oros, Vihima Oros. On the third day, on Tuesday, let the waters be gathered until the luminaries. Berevi'i on the Fourth day, Wednesday, Yehima Oros, Vishutsu Amayim, luminaries until the water creatures, Bahamishi, Yishutsu Amayim, Vesosia, Aretz, fifth day, Yishutsu Amayim, water creatures, let the land sprout forth its the animals, Bashishi, Vatotsia, Aretz, land brings forth animals, Ad Vaihulua Shamayim. Until Shabbos. Until Shabbos, says the Mishnah, Parsha Gidola Korin Osa Bishnaim. A large portion of us say now what they would literally do is they would read this as a Kriyasa Torah. So remember again, we'll discuss a Kriyasa Torah has no less than three Olim, right? Then three Aliyos. We'll actually see this in Mesechus Megillah. Has no less than three Aliyos. So if it was a large parsha, meaning again, six psukim or more, you would divide it up amongst two people. Vaktana, if it was a small parsha, biyachid. Ultimately, again, you would divide it up. You would just, well, you wouldn't divide it up. You would just assign it to one ola. Bishachris, bimusaf. So we'll say this is how they did it, by shachris and bimusaf. So interestingly enough, it sounds like from the Mishnah that halacha lamaisa, they performed this Torah reading both by shachris and by musaf. Bemincha, however, by Mincha, they would once again read the Genesis narrative, the Maiseberatius, but Nichnasin the Korin Alpian, Kikorin Eshma. By Mincha, when they would reread it, they wouldn't take out a Torah, but rather again, they would read the same reading, but they would read it Balpeh. They would read it Balpeh. Erev Shabbos Bemincha, we'll say Erev Shabbos Bemincha, we'll say just again, I want to point out over here, this, what we're describing over here are the Ma'amados, not the Mishmar. Again, remember the words, the, the Ma'amad is part of the Mishmar. But when we speak about the Mishmar, we're specifically referring to the group that is gathered in the base Hamikdash. Right now, the Mishnah is talking about what the Ma'amados did, which remember again, who is the Ma'amad? Just so we're clear on it. Who is the Ma'amad? Who is the Ma'amad? 
the group of Yisraelim who are part of that Mishmar, according to Rashi. These are the Jews who do not live in Yerushalayim. So therefore, they're gathering in their local towns, doing their part to be the representatives. Now, let's remember again, their role is that they are the representatives of Am Yisrael for the carbon Sibar, for the carbon Tamid. But their role is they're davening that the carbon should be accepted. So the Mishnah is going through what they did when they gathered. So they gathered Shachris, Musaf, they read Kriyasa Torah, Mincha, they would read the same thing again, but this time without a scroll. They would just read it Balpeh. Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos b'mincha, lo hayun nichnas nekarva Shabbos. So we'll say there was no official ma'amad gathering by Erev Shabbos b'mincha, because again, Erev Shabbos b'mincha, time to get ready for Shabbos. Kol yom. So we'll say now the mission is going to go through, go through just the various details, or I should say the various uh, things that can impact a ma'amad. So kol yom shiyish bohalal, any day I both say which day we recite halal, ain ma'amad b'shachris. So remember again, if there's halal, then we don't have a ma'amod by shachris. Now, 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 what does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi now is in the wide lines, five lines in. So this is very interesting. So Rashi understands that this is a reference over here to the Jews. Rashi, for some reason, comments that it's the Jews in Yerushalayim. The Masha others comment like they're not sure why Rashi says it's the Jews of Yerushalayim. But what he says is that essentially they, what will go with the Jews of the Ma'amad, if there was Halal, they would not go ahead and daven the normal Ma'amad Tfilos. Why? Because there's Halal. And since there's Halal, there's not enough time to go ahead and daven the tefillos for the ma'amad, and therefore again, halal would set aside the ma'amados. So I will say, there's a much more pashat also, which is the ma'amados have an element of, there's an element of like a tiny seber associated with them, right? Because remember again, they are fasting, they are fasting. And the fast is not a mournful fast, it's not a difficult fast, but it's a supplicatory fast. So on a Pashat level, on a day that there's Halal, Halal is Docha the Ma'amados. Halal is Docha the Ma'amados by Shachris. Karban Mosaf, any day that there's Karban Mosaf, Ein B'Ni'ilah. Ultimately, again, there is no Ma'amod by Ni'ilah. Now take a look at Rashi. Rashi is Karban Mosaf. Yom Shiyish Bo Karban Mosaf B'Yerushalayim. Ein Ma'amod B'Ni'ilah B'Yerushalayim. V'choshekin B'Mincha Asmucha L'Mosaf. So Rashi in the sense will be like this. Anytime, any day there's a carbon musaf, so there's no ma'amad by ni'ilah. But also remember again, the, the Mishnah is presupposing that every single time they gather, there's going to be this ma'amad service. Just the difference is by shachris and musaf, they're taking out a Sefer Torah. By every other tefillah, they're just reading the particular Genesis narrative, Baal so now the Gemara says, any day that there's a carbon musaf, because remember again, not every day that you have halal is there a carbon musaf, as you just saw in Chanukah, right? So again, but any day which is a carbon musaf, there is no ma'amad even by ni'ilah. Look at Rashi again. Yom shi'eish ba'u carbon musaf biyushalayim, ein ma'amad b'ni'ilah biyushalayim, v'chol shekin b'mincha ha'smucha l'musaf. L'fisha yutrudin b'musaf, shi'eish ba'u lahakriv behemos yoser mitamid shu'echad. 
So Rashi understands that when the Mishnah says any day there's a carbon musaf, there's no ma'amod by ni'ila, and certainly not by mincha, is referring to the Yisraelim in Yerushalayim. This is fascinating. Why? Because when there was a carbon musaf, there's so much that has to get done. There's a lot of carbonos that have to be offered. I had that impact Yisraelim. Rabbi said, this is incredible. Who would chop the extra wood and draw the extra water? Who would do that? Yisraelim. Rabbi said, I have to tell you something. This, this Rashi was mamish mechayim mason for me. Because I'll tell you just on a personal level. It is one of the things I yearn for most in this world is to be a Kohen. But okay, not, not to be, not to be. Right? Also, I've gone to so many Levias, I would go broke in the number of Karbanos I would have to bring when the base Amikdash would come. But in, in, in any event, it's my dream. Because again, there's a certain element of pain that's associated with the fact that the base Amikdash is going to be rebuilt. And if you're like me, a Yisrael, you're going to be like a spectator looking in. It's not fair. It's not fair, right? You, you know, it, 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 it's it's like you're feeling that's painful. The Kohanim, the Levim, they're going to be engaged. They're doing the Avoda, the big day Kohuna opportunity, of course. And Yisraelim are, are on the inside looking out. But look at Rashi says it's not true. There's a role for us as well. We get to chop wood and draw water. I'll probably find the guy to chop the wood, but to draw the water, right? <laughs> the right, to draw the water. Say, so you, you see that even Yisraelim, even Yisraelim are afforded some type of privilege. So when, when each of us are going, each of us Yisraelim are going to be assigned to a particular ma'amad, going to be assigned to a particular ma'amad, and during that ma'amad, if there is a carbon musaf, even Yisrael has the opportunity to do something. Good. Back to the Mishnah. What about a day when carbon eatsim are brought? There's so much incredible gimara here. Carbon eatsim, I'll say we're going to get into this. Rashi says over here, we're not actually, we're not going to go through it now. We'll go through it a little bit later on in the Mishnah. We'll say carbon eatsim very quickly was as follows. When the Jews came back with Ezra for the Spayis Shani, there was, interestingly enough, a shortage of wood. There was a shortage of wood. You can't run a base hamikdash without wood. It's the fuel, right? Wood, wood, wood is everything because everything in a base hamikdash requires a fire. Ketoros requires a fire. Carbon tom, right? Bizbeach achitzon requires an ish tamid. Outer altar requires a constantly burning fire. We're going to see there are nine families who stepped up and pledged wood. On the day in which they pledged wood, they bring a specific, what's called a carbon etzim, a wood offering. It's not actually a carbon of wood. It's a carbon, it's a shlomim that they would bring, celebrating the day of their donation. We'll say, yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about that more in just a moment. And a day with this carbon etzim, so the Gemara says, in b'mincha, Rabbi Akiva. So we'll say, day with this carbon etzim, ultimately, again, there is no ma'amod by mincha. These are the words of Rabbi Akiva. Amalo ben Azai. Ben Azai, what's the happens to Rabbi Akiva's Talmud, says to him, Rabbi Yoshua Shoni. You know, Rabbi, Rabbi Yoshua had a little bit different version. He held, Karban Musaf in Bemincha. Any day when we offer a Karban Musaf, there is no Ma'amad by Mincha. Karban Eitzim ain't Bini'ilah. Whenever we offer up a Karban Eitzim, there's no Ma'amad by Ni'ilah. But there would be a Ma'amad by Mincha Musaf Shachris. We'll, we'll see what the root of that machlok is in the Gemara. Chaz Rabbi Akiva, Lihios Shone Keben Azai. Rabbi Akiva ultimately changed his mind and he aligned his shita with that of Ben Azai. Beautiful. So we'll say, let's talk. So we'll say, that's the Ma'amados. That's the Ma'amados. We'll say, you know, it is, it is a privilege to learn a Mishnah like this because Baruch Hashem, if we, if we can't be in Eretz Yisrael 
and we can't go ahead and yet have a base Hamikdash. You know, these Gemaras, these are Eretz Yisrael Gemaras. This is Mamish Eretz Yisrael Gemara. So if we can't be there, we don't yet have a bias, there's, there's, there's at least a quasi-experience of Eretz Yisrael, a quasi-experience of the Beis Hamikdash, when we're able to delve into these Gemaras. Zman Atzei Kohanim. Shabbos says, let's talk about this. It's just Mava'am. Tisha. Shabbos says, we just made reference before to the Karban Ha'etzim. So what is this Karban Ha'etzim? What are these wood offerings? So the Gemara says, Tisha. There were nine dates. There were nine dates when Jewish families pledged wood to the Beit Shabbos says, so what does it mean to pledge wood? What does it mean to pledge wood? What it means to pledge wood is, quite literally, you agree to supply to supply the base Hamikdash with the necessary amount of wood. So the day in which you pledged became Yom Tiv, which I will say is such an incredible fundraising you sowed, if you think about it, such an incredible... I will say, the day in which you give to something in community is a Yom Tiv. The day in which you have an opportunity to partner, whatever it is that you're partnering, a school, a shul, you should, whatever, whatever it might be, the day in which you see people often feel like, you know, giving, right? But the day in which you give is the day in which you contribute to the community. The day in which you help build communal infrastructure ultimately is yomtiv. It's mamish a yomtiv. You don't even have to say tachnon. That might be an incredible incentive for giving, right? I think it's, giving would go up on Mondays and Thursdays significantly, right? So I'll say, so again, so listen to this. So they would go ahead and there were nine families, nine families who pledged. Here we go, we'll say, we actually have historical record as to who the families were and what days they pledged. Which I will say, is something, re- think, think about this, just, just, before we start, I just want to point out how incredible this is. We're going to see, we know which families pledged which days. Why is this unique? Why is this unique? Because I will say, there is so much about how the Beis HaMikdash operated and what happened that is shrouded in so much machlokas. Yet, what do we remember? What do we remember? What do we remember? Who gave? Because we'll say at the end of the day, the willingness to step up and give, the willingness to step up and donate, the willingness to go ahead and not just sit on the sideline, but literally be the financier, if that's the right financier, right? Of Kiddusha, of a Mikdash, of community. I will say, those are the builders. Those are the builders. And those are the people whose names are forever etched in history. That is never forgotten. If you step up, and you give, and you help build, that is recorded in the Mishnah Meseches Tainis, Daf, Chaf, Vav, Ahmed, Aleph, forever. Because those who choose to step up and help build, ultimately again have a chilek in the continuity of Klal Yisrael. So the Gemara goes weiter. So listen to this, here we go. Be'echa ben Nisan, ben Arach ben Yehuda. The first of Nisan, the sons of Arach ben Yehuda gave. Be'eschem betamuz, the 20th of Tamuz, B'nei David ben Yehuda. They both say, again, these are, Rashi points out over here, B'nei David is literally Memishpachas David HaMelech. These are literally the family members of David HaMelech. B'chamisha Ba'av, on the 5th of Av, B'nei Parush ben Yehuda. Okay, these are just all the family names. B'shivabo, on the 7th of Av, B'nei Yonadav ben Rachav. Yonadav, the sons of Yonadav ben Rachav. Basarabo, on the 10th of Av, B'nei Sana ben Binyamin. Good. On the 15th of Av, ben Yehuda. Here's what's interesting. Something else happened on the 15th of Av, which was, listen to this. There were some people who knew that their family had pledged to carbon Eitzim, but they lost historical record. They lost historical record. They said they did not know 
the family names who pledged or when those family names who pledged. So, if you knew that your family pledged carbon carbon eitzim, but you did not know when, you joined in with the family of Zesu ben Yehuda on Tu Be'av, on the 15th of Av. So 15th of Av was like the catch-all day. If you knew that your family participated, but you just didn't have accurate historical record as to when, that's the day you would join in. Ubenei gon vi'eli, ubenei kotzei k'tzios, we'll discuss this. Literally, the sons of gon ve'eli rabose are pestle, like a mortar and pestle, right? Pestle thieves. Okay, we'll discuss who those people are. The sons of the pestle stealers, ubenei kotzei k'tzios, and the sons of the fig cutters. We'll discuss who those people are. Be'esrenbo. They would bring, they brought their carbon eatsim on the 20th of Av. Bnei Pachas Moab ben Yehuda, Be'esrim Be'elu. The sons of Pachas Moab, the sons of Yehuda, they brought, by the way, when it says Ben Yehuda, that literally means from the Shevet of Yehuda. Be'esrim Be'elu, they brought on the 20th of Elu. Bnei Adin ben Yehuda, Be'echa Be'teves. The sons of Adin ben Yehuda, they brought on the first of Teves. Bnei Parush, sorry, sorry, on the first of Teves, Shavune bnei Parush Nianabosai. Again, the cycle repeated itself on the first of Teves. Ultimately, again, the sons of Parush brought a second carbonatesim. So I'll say that is the schedule for the carbonatesim. The nine, right? Then the nine mishpach, the nine times carbonatesim were brought. So I'll say it's actually very interesting. Jumping back now to the ma'amados. Get ready for this. A beautiful confluence of events here. Ba'echa b'teves lo hayu ba'ma'amad. Both say there was one day in which no ma'amad took place. When was that? Rosh chodesh teves. Why? Shahayu ba'halel. The carbon musaf, the carbon eitzim. So I will say, this is absolutely incredible, because what happened on Rosh Chodesh Teves, so I will say, isn't this incredible? They are reading this Gemara just a few days into Teves. Remember again, what's Rosh Chodesh Teves? It's Rosh Chodesh, Chanukah, and it was also the date of carbon eitzim. So you have everything. You have Halal, you have carbon musaf, and you have carbon eitzim. It's the only day throughout the year when you have all three of those things converging on one date. So because you had all of that, therefore what? There was no ma'amad. Look at Rashi, Rashi says, Isn't it such a privilege to read a Hanukkah Gemara two days after Hanukkah? To be mamshich the ar. Just to continue the light a little bit. So incredible. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, fine, good. We'll say, fine. That's the end. That's the end of Chilak Aleph of the Mishnah. Right? Chilak Aleph is done. So Chilak Aleph was all about the Mishmoros and the Ma'amados. Again, I will point out, remember, we did start with Duchening. We're going to loop back to Duchening because the Mishnah began with a statement that three times throughout the year we Duchen four times a day. We're going to go back to the Gemara, but remember, the bulk of Chilak Aleph of the Mishnah was all about the Ma'amados and the Mishnah. So we'll say now we come to a very gripping part of the Gemara. Chamisha, from the Mishnah, sorry. Check two lines off of the bottom, Chavav HaMadalif. Chamisha Devarim Iros HaVsinu B'Shiva Asar B'Tamuz V'Chamisha B'Tishabav. We'll say a heartbreaking Mishnah. There are five things that happened to our forefathers on the 17th of Tamuz and five things that happened on Tishabav. What are they? B'Shiva B'Tamuz on the 17th of Tammuz, Nishtabru Haluchos. So it was on the 17th of Tammuz that Moshe Rabbeinu descended from Har Sinai and saw that we built the golden calf. Upon seeing that we built the golden calf, Moshe Rabbeinu made a decision to go ahead and break the Luchos, to break the first set of tablets. That happened on the 17th of Tammuz. Ubatal HaTamid. And the Tamid stopped being offered. 
Stopping off, Rashi says, The Marashah points out, there's some historical machogas as to what, what, what era is this? What era is this? Is this Bayes Rishon? Is this Bayes Sheni? Is this the destruction of Bayes Sheni? Is this during the times, actually, we'll say, the Marsha points out that it's quite possible this was actually during the times of the Hashmonaim. You know, there was some infighting during the times of the Hashmonaim. Brother laying a siege against the brother. So it's possible that, again, it happened not during the destruction, not during the Khorban, but during internal strife. In any event, 17th of Thomas represented a day in which the Karban Tamid stopped. It stopped. Now, we'll say, what we'll see is it resumed afterwards. But on the 17th of Tammuz, there's a trauma because that which is supposed to be continuous ceased. We'll say, what an incredible you sowed, right? The whole success of the Jew lies in continuity, lies in the ability as Karbani Lachmili Ishai, the Karban Tammuz, day after day after day. And if a Jew misses carbon tamid, the Beis Hamikdash misses carbon tamid, that's that's traumatic. That's traumatic. So the Mishnah says, ultimately on the seventeenth of Tammuz, the tam, the tamid ceased. Vohovkayir, the walls of the city of Yerushalayim were breached. Besarav Afustomas as a Torah. Rebbe said Afustomas, who was a Greek general, burnt the Torah. Rebbe said the Marsha points out which Torah did he burn. So some say this was the Sefer Torah of Ezra. Remember again, there was an authoritative Sefer Torah written, kept inside of the Beis Hamikdash, to which all other Sefer Torah were checked. Because it was, I remember again, in the Torah, you have a number of things called the Korean Exiv, where a word is written one way, but read a different way. Sorry, written one way, but read a different way. So there was this authoritative Sefer Torah that was kept in the Mikdash. Afustamos burnt, or, or the Marshal says, just stam. Uh, not Stam Chashashon, that it wasn't necessarily Ezra's Sefer Torah, but Afustavos made a public display of burning a Sefer Torah inside of the Beis HaMikdash. Vehem Nitzelem Behecha, and he went ahead and he put up an idol inside of the Beis HaMikdash. Shabbosay Rashi points out, see, the Pasha way to read this Mishnah is, this same Afustamos who burnt the Torah, also put up an idol in the Beis HaMikdash. Rashi has a different gear. So Rashi says, Shemidu Menasheh, that in fact it wasn't a, well, no, it's not referring to an idol put up by Ephustamos, but rather an idol put up by King Menasha. King Menasha was the son of Chiskio, right? The son of Chiskio. He was a, he reigned for 55 years. Unfortunately, again, for the first 33 of them was a terrible Russia. And he put up an idol in the base of So Machlokas, is it Ephustamos' idol? Is it Menasha's idol? The truth is, it doesn't matter. What matters is then on the 17th of Tammuz, something spiritually traumatic took place with the putting up of an idol in the base of Mikdash. B'tish say those are the five events that occurred on Shiva Sarbat Tammuz. B'tish what happened on Tish Shabbat? Nigzar alavosin shalei kansu la'aretz. I will say number one, chet ha-maraglim. Right, the sin of the maraglim happened on Tish I will say now what really happened on Tisha B'Av was the cries. The cries of Klav Yisrael are what happened on Tisha B'Av, our reaction. Remember again, the, we'll say, just to be clear, the Chet HaMaraglim, the, the, the damage of the Chet HaMaraglim wasn't just simply in the report of the spies. It was the fact that we accepted it, right? People say crazy stuff all of the time. The, the nation is not held accountable for the words of the individuals, Bar Hashem, or otherwise we'd be in incredible trouble, right? The Chaita Maraglim was that the Maraglim delivered this disastrous report and we accepted it. 
We accepted it. That's why the Gemara is going to say, Atem bechisem bechiyashachinam. What we're held accountable by the Chet HaMaraglim is that we accepted the Lashon Harab, the Maraglim. We accepted the slanders, the negative words about Eretz Yisrael. So that happened. That happened on Tisha B'Av, and therefore, Nigzar Labasin Shlai Kansal Aretz. Chodesh Baruch Hu decreed that we will not enter into the land on Tisha B'Av. He decreed on Tisha B'Av that we will not enter into the land. That was the 40-year exile. The first base Hamikdash, the second base Hamikdash were both destroyed on the ninth above. Vinilkida Beitar, the city of Beitar ultimately again was was run over, was not run over is the wrong word, was conquered, was conquered, was overtaken. Rashi says Beitar. So we'll say, so remember again, we know the story of Betar. The story of Betar, Betar was the last holdout in the revolt against the Romans. In the Bar Kochva rebellion, the city of Betar was the last bastion. It was the last, it was the last fortress. When the city of Betar fell, the Bar Kochva rebellion was, was, effectively, was effectively squashed. It was done. And the Romans took out special fury against the residents of Betar. Also remember, again, we'll see in the Gemara, this is where they did not allow the Jews to bury their dead. They left the dead on the street for days. And we'll say this is also where, where the, the Yushalayim itself was plowed over. Specifically, the Makoma Mikdash, after, after the base of Mikdash was destroyed. It wasn't just that the Mikdash was destroyed, but literally, again, the area of Harabayis was plowed over to remove almost any, any historical remembrance that a base Hamikdash stood there. And therefore the Mishnah says, as a result of these terrible events which occurred on the 9th of Av, there is a general mourning that descends upon the entire month of Av. And therefore when the month of Av enters, we decrease our displays of joy. We'll discuss exactly what that means. And I will say, interestingly enough now, the Mishnah transitions into the halachos concerning the nine days. And I will say, it's going to be actually quite shocking because as we're going to see, the halacha, the stam halacha of the morning practices of the nine days are dramatically different than what we observe today, at least Ashkenazim observe today. Sephardim observe much more closer to the Mishnah. So here we go. Shabbat the week of Tishabov, the week of Tishabov, Asr Milasapra Milachabes. You can't wander, you can't take your haircut. So we'll say, I want to point out to you, from the Mishnah's perspective, from the Talmudic perspective, there are no morning practices that begin as of Rosh Chodeshav. There's no nine days. There's no nine days. There's Shavuah Shechalbo. All there is are morning practices the week of. The week of. And what can't you do the week of? You can't take a haircut. You can't launder your clothing. Listen to this. So we'll say this is actually pretty wild. However, if Tishaba falls out on Friday, which could happen before the calendar was set, if Tishaba were to fall out on Friday, you are permitted to get a haircut and launder your clothing on Thursday, which is, which is wild, right? So you could get a haircut and launder your clothing on Thursday, Lekavit Shabbos, even though what? Even though what? It's out of Tishaba. Amazing. Erev Tishabav, so we'll say something again on Erev Tishabav, Lo Yochal Adam Shneitav Shimon, a person should not cook, eat two cooked foods. In other words, Erev Tishabav, your consumption should reflect the morning nature of the day. So don't eat two cooked foods, right? Furthermore, again, Lo Yochal Basar, Velo Yishtayayin. You shouldn't eat meat, you shouldn't drink, and I'll say it's incredible. You see from the Mishnah, the prohibition of eating meat and drinking wine really only applies when, according to the Mishnah, only applies when? Erev Tishabav. 
Adaptation are quite amazing. Rashim Lamil Omar Yishana. Rashim Lamil says, no, the truth is, we're not really going to get into too much what it is that you can't eat, you don't eat. Just here, what you should do. Erev Tishabav, you should change your normal eating habits. So, in other words, don't have on Erev Tishabav like a regular Suda like you would have each and every day. Rabbi Yudor Mechayib Kfiyasamita. Rabbi Yudor said that on Tishabav, you have to overturn your bed, which effectively means you have to sleep on the floor. For the Hodul Chacham, the Chum did not agree with this practice. And I will say, there are many who do have the practice to sleep on the floor on Tishabav, but again, it's not a halacha, it's not a requirement. On Rishim Gamliel, Lo Hayu Yamim Tovim, so we'll say now we're transitioning again, incredible. Lo Hayu Yamim Tovim, Yisrael Kichamisha Sarav Kim Kuvra. So we'll say, Baba, isn't this incredible? We just went from Tishabav, five terrible events that happened on Tishabav, and what's the next line? There are no greater Yamim Tovim, no greater joyous days for Klal Yisrael than, than, than the 15th of Av and Yom Kippur. I was saying, isn't this how the Jew lives, right? The Jew is able to transition from Tsar to Simcha, from Simcha to Tsar. We are constantly living in this dialectic and we have mastered the ability to mourn and then to be joyous in the next moment and then to be joyous and then to mourn for that which has been lost. The Jew, the Jew, the, right, the heart of the Jew has mastered this ability to transition between these emotional states because I will say, isn't this life? Life is never a continuous emotional experience, right? This is what I often say this, you know, when people, when people come to be Menachem Mavel, right? So people say to the other, oh, you should only have Simchas, you should only have Simchas. So it's interesting, both the Baal Shem, the Baal Kodesh, and Rabbi Soloveitchik posted the same idea. They said it's such a naive thought. What do you mean you should only have Simchas? Nobody has only Simchas, right? It's, it's, it's a brach of the to tell someone they should only have simchas. It's not real. It's not real. It, it, it's, it's, it's cosmetic. It's not true. No one has only simchas. Right? The given should give you strength because life is simchas and tsaras, tsaras and simchas. And the Jew is perpetually prepared to deal with those emotional peaks and valleys. That's how in a Mishnah, you could go from Tishabov to Yomim Tovim in one line. That's what life is all about. The ability to transition seamlessly between different emotional states. So most listeners, as the Gemara says, the greatest Yomim Tovim were the 15th of Avon Yom Kippur. That was that's interesting. So we'll discuss this in the Gemara. The, the Mishnah doesn't explain this at all. It right? doesn't explain this at all. It doesn't tell us what is special about the 15th of Av. We're going to see in the Gemara. Again, Yom Kippur, the Gemara presupposes that we know Yom Kippur is a day of Simcha. Okay? We'll see why exactly that is. Well, what ha- we'll say, what happened on Tubav? This is why. Listen to this. Shebahen, benos Yisrael Yotzot, spikli lavan she'ulin. So listen to this. What would happen on the 15th of Av? The Jewish girls would go out. They would go out and they would borrow white clothing from each other. Why would they borrow clothing from each other? In order not to embarrass anyone who didn't have. So we'll say, first of all, just how, how beautiful this is. Right? So on the 15th of Av, on the 15th of Av, the girls would go out and they would exchange, they would exchange clothing with each other. Which we'll say, if you, in order not to embarrass someone, it's so important, it's so important that we never utilize our Gashmias in a way that makes someone feel inferior. You know, Baruch Hashem, we should all be benched with incredible bracha, and incredible parnas, and incredible gashmias. And we're supposed to enjoy our gashmias. We're not an ascetic religion. But we always just have to be so careful that how we use the things that we have from our Kaddish Baruch Hu never makes someone else feel less important or somehow inferior. Not that you, could, you can't control how someone else feels, 
but you can control right how you broadcast what it is that you have. So you see over here, the richest girls, the poorest girls, everybody borrowed clothing from one another. So no one should be embarrassed. So first also you had to immerse all of the utensils, right? Because remember again, let's say somebody had borrowed a baguette that was tummy. So in order not to go ahead and, you know, embarrass anyone, this on tummy, this on tummy, everything was immersed. And what I was supposed to say, this is wild. The girls would go out to dance in the vineyards. Umaya Omar, supposed to say this was a Shidduch event. This was a Shidduch event. So listen to this. The girls would go out and they would go ahead and they would go ahead and they would try to attract potential husbands. Which I will say, by the way, is so, whatever, okay. There, a, a different discussion about, we'll say how, how I'll, I'll just mention it this way that, you know, oh, no, I'm not going to mention it. Okay, let, let, let's go back to it. Umaya Omar, so you have to finish. What, what would the girls say? What would the girls say? The girls would say to young men, young men, be very careful of the criteria that you use to go ahead and choose a wife. Don't choose a wife just based on beauty. Rather, look at yichos. Look at mishpacha. And I will say, by the way, yichos doesn't have to mean that the girl's father is some great rab and her grandfather was a tzaddik and this one was a tam tchacham. I will say, what it means is sometimes if you base your marriage choices based on externalities, the interesting part about externalities is they come and go, right? What is beautiful today may not be as beautiful tomorrow. So the girls were saying, make your marriage choices based on things that endure. You see, you could tell a lot about a person from the mishpacha they come from. Now, I will say, that goes both ways, and I want to be very clear. Being... You don't choose which family you're born into. So very often, again, a person is very different from the mishpacha. Bein l'tov, bein l'ra. But the girls were saying, don't just go in and look for beauty, but rather, again, look from where a girl comes from. Look at who her parents are. Look at who the mishpacha is. Is it a family that is steeped in Torah, steeped in mitzvah, steeped in Yiddishkeit? Sheker achin yofi. Because beauty is vain, right? Beauty is vain, or beauty is false, excuse me. And, and beauty is vain. So, Isha Yiras Hashem Hitis Halal, a woman who fears HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that should be praised. Now, we'll, say, now we'll, we'll see what's interesting about this is that it's nothing to do with Mishpacha, right? That has to do with the quality of the individual. So again, the Gemara will explain what exactly this whole conversation was. Vomer, Tinula Mi Priyadah, Diyelua Bisharim Masel. And furthermore, the Pasuk says, Give her of the fruit of her hand, and her deeds will praise her in the gates. Furthermore, the Pasuk says, Go out and see the daughters of Zion, about King Solomon, with the crown that his mother made for him on the day of his wedding, and on the day of the joy of his heart. The Gemara says, what does this refer to? What's the day of his wedding? Zem Matan Torah. This refers to the day that we receive Torah. Again, we'll, say, we'll discuss, Rashi says over here, Matan Torah means Yom Kippurim. Very interesting. Rashi in the sense, the day that you receive the Torah is not a reference to Shavuos, but rather it's a reference to Yom Kippur, because on Yom Kippur we receive the second set of Luchos. The day of the joy of your heart. This refers to, we'll say, so incredible, what's the day of the joy of our heart? The day when our hearts will truly be joyful. That's the day <coughs> when the Beis HaMikdash will be rebuilt. So I will say, we will explain this whole Tuba'av piece of the Mishnah 
was incredibly unclear, right? What exactly is happening on Tuba Av? Why are the girls going out to go ahead and dance in the vineyards? Why is this a day of Shiduchim? And what exactly are they saying to the boys? Emir Hashem to be clarified in the Gemara. So we'll say, now let's, let's start the Gemara. So remember again, how do we start the Mishnah? This is so incredible. How do we start the Mishnah? We started the Mishnah by saying that three times throughout the year, we duchin four times during the day. Remember again, what were the four times during the day? Shachris, Musaf, Mincha, Ni'ilah. What are the three times during the year? Three times during the year? Yom Kippur, Ma'amados, Ta'anios. So says the Gemara, I don't understand. Ta'anios and Ma'amados, Mi'ika, Musaf. Both say that doesn't make sense. On a Tainis, on a fast day, on a Ma'amod, you have Shachris, Mincha, Ni'ila, but you don't have Musaf. So what does this mean? To which the Gemara says, you're right. Here's how I have to read the Mishnah. Bishlosha Prakim, there are three times throughout the year where the Kohanim will duchin by every single tefillah. They'll duchin by every single tefillah. And some of those times, that will mean that will duchin up to what? Four times throughout that day. Shachris, Musaf, Mincha, Uneilas, Hasha'arim. What are the three times a year? So we'll say, therefore, what the Mishnah means is like this. Gemara says, here's after read the Mishnah. There are three times throughout the year when we will dochen during every tefillah. And during some of those times, that'll mean you'll dochen three times. And sometimes it'll mean that what? You'll dochen four times. For example, when will you dochen four times? When will you dochen four times? In this list, Yom Kippur. Because Yom Kippur has Shachris, Mosaf, Mincha, and Neilas. Really what the Mishnah is teaching us is that there are three times throughout the year where you will duchin by every single tefillah, shachris, mincha, shachris, musaf, mincha, and neilah. Amra Nachman. Amra Barabua. Sudiv Rabbi Meir. These are the words of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir holds that Allah Chalamaisa on these days, Ta'anios Ma'amados Yom Kippur, you will duchin every single tefillah. Avachachamim on the Chom say no, shachris, musaf, yeshva, nesias, kapayim, Mincha uneila ein ba menesias kamen. So also we're going to get into a fascinating machlokas now. We're going to get into now the chum hold that generally you only dochen during what we'll call the morning services, shachris and mosaf. But you never dochen during mincha and neila. Man chacham will say, who is the opinion of the chachamim? So Rabbi Hudehi, it's Rabbi Huda. The sanya shachris and mosaf mincha neila. Kulon yish b'hem nesias kam di Rabbi Meir. So what's Rabbi Meir's of the opinion that Allah Chalamaisa you duchen by all tefilos. You duchen by all tefilos. Shachris Shachris Musaf Mincha Niila. Rabbi Huda Om Rabbi Huda says Shachris Musaf Yeshu Nesias Kapayim Mincha Uniila Imbam Nesias Kapayim. Rabbi Huda holds Shachris and Mincha. Sorry, Shachris and Musaf. You can duchen Mincha Niila. You never duchen. Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Yosi has a has a hybrid position. He holds Niila. Rabbi Yossi says that Ne'ila, we do dochen, Mincha, we don't dochen. So we'll say, so we'll say, so a three-way machlokis. Rabbi Meir holds, we could dochen every tefillah. Every tefillah. Shachris, Musaf, Mincha, Ne'ila. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda, Shachris and Musaf only, never Mincha, Ne'ila. Rabbi Yossi, Shachris, Musaf, no Mincha, but yes, Ne'ila. 
But yes, Nilo. So we'll say the Gemara says, "By my kamiflagi." What are they arguing about? So we'll say, here we go. Shabbi Meir Savar Kol Yoma Taima Mai Lo Parshi Lo Parshi Kohani Adayu Bemincha Mishum Shichros Ha'idna Leka Shichros. So we'll say, listen to this. So we'll say, here's the problem. Rabbi Yossi is going. Actually, we'll say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stop over here for today. We'll stop. We'll, we'll pick up with this. We'll say, by the way, don't don't worry. Get this all under control because again, the last daf of Maseches Tainis is only an Ahmed Aleph. It's only not enough. So we'll say, so we'll stop over here for today. We're going to get into this machlokas. And I will say, I want to tell you this is going to be a riveting machlokas. Because what we're also going to address is another very important issue. First of all, when we talk now, we dochen, we're also going to address Amir Hashem. And tomorrow's shir is why we don't dochen during the week outside of Eretz Yisrael. Right? One of the highlights of being in Eretz Yisrael is Birchas Kalhanim every single morning, instead of, but not the afternoon, every single morning. Again, we'll discuss in halacha why we don't dochen outside of Eretz Yisrael. Again, it's going to tie into the sugya. We'll stop over for today. Continue tomorrow. everyone. Thank you. We got a copy from the Sassi. Fuck Hashem. You should never need it again.